Hi, everybody. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we are your business coaches at Wired to Change. With the number two. We are here to help you get your business to the level you want it to be so you can enjoy the life of a small business owner. Today, Trinity, we're talking about the hows, the whys, the whens, the wheres, the ifs on writing a business plan. Ooh, one of my favorite topics. Anything that has. It could be oatmeal cookie plan, and you're all in. <laughs> there is something to be said for having a good plan. Just like if I was going to build a house, mm-hmm. I wouldn't just go off and start, you know, I wouldn't head to the Home Depot and start buying stuff without having a plan for how I was going to build that house. I don't know why puzzle makers don't call you to be their national spokesperson. Because in your brain, that's where all, okay, this piece goes here, this goes here, which has helped you launch your real estate career, which is kind of relatively new. Yep. But all that planning, right? It, it does pay off. Planning, what's the quote? If you fail to plan, you, you plan, plan to, to fail. fail. Yeah. And it is, it's so true because our plan and one of the biggest pieces of feedback that we got from our last coaching seminar was really interesting because it's something we always talk about, but I never really internalized it until one of our attendees came to me and said, wow, it really resonated with me that this plan can change. Because when I'm talking about planning and business planning and setting goals and why it's so important, I think many times people are deterred by it because they feel like they're going to fail if that exact plan isn't executed to the letter. Not realizing that just like when an architect is out at a build site or we were out at Habitat for Humanity, there's a group of us that went out to volunteer and we get out there and there's a blueprint for this house, there's plans for the house, and lo and behold, we start putting these foundational joists in And we were four boards short, and the materials that were supposed to be there weren't supposed to be there, so we had to improvise a bit. And that's going to happen with your business plan. Same thing. Like, things are going to pop up. Things are going to change. But if we didn't have the initial plan for that house, we wouldn't know how to go about fixing that problem. The ultimate way that that house is finished might look different. How you get to the end result might be a little different. The actual square footage based on the finished product compared to the blueprint, almost always, I mean, I'm a real estate agent, the builder's plans are almost always different than the actual output of the home because things come up, people Mm -hmm. slice things the wrong way, they cut two inches off a board that wasn't supposed to be there, they add a couple inches here. That's the biggest takeaway that I got from our last seminar with our, and it's crazy because I feel like sometimes I learn more from these seminars and from our clients than they're actually (laughs) learning from us, but was that don't be afraid to do your plan because that plan is a living, breathing document and it's going to change. And that's reality is everybody's day and week changes. The other thing, it's like a road map. Actually, it's like a highway you're on. Mm-hmm. If things aren't going well, could be uh, the analogy could be construction up ahead, and you may need to detour off of there. Or if you are running well, it's like on the autobahn. Well, I'm gonna start going 120 because kind of got this right now. Let's you know see where this takes us. So yeah, but it's uh, again you probably and most business owners don't have a business plan. Most do not. 
I shouldn't be surprised anymore at how many do not, but I am. I'm always shocked at how many business owners don't have a business plan and how many don't have a, a P&L. I was just going to say, <laughs> we have learned that, that a P&L, a few more numbers involved than that. But yeah. Yes, yes. So um, two very important um, pieces to having a business are your business plan, your profit and loss statement, your marketing plan, which we're going to talk about on our next episode. But today we're talking all about business planning. We are. And if you want to reach out to us on social media, we are everywhere at Wired to Change. So where are we starting today? I think that um, a couple of things that we should start with are talking about why you need a business plan and then also why it's really important for you to do that. And then one of the questions that we were just chatting about before we got um, to recording was you were asking me about... Um, when? When. When you should do a business plan. So first, let's talk about why you would start a business plan. If you are currently in business and you have been functioning without a business plan, you probably should be asking yourself, why haven't I created your plan? And if you haven't, don't beat yourself up because it's okay. It is recommended that you start your business plan six months to a year into your business. Mike is cringing. (laughs) I'm contradicting myself. Let me say that first. Most business owners don't even have a plan. So the thought of even writing one up after a year is a good thing. If you're truly invested in it, you would have a plan. So I think that goes back to what's the definition of, so you can start a business and have a plan and have an idea and have notes and things written down without having a true business plan that encompasses all the aspects of a business plan. Agreed. Right? So for example, when you and I met and we started um, meeting and talking about starting Wired to Change, we started working on creating this business for four or five months before we actually sat down and wrote our business plan. And we would have, if we would have sat down and written a business plan without actually starting and getting out there and doing market research and, and really figuring out what we wanted our business coaching operation to look like, that would have been a huge waste of time and resources for us because it it would have, because that plan would have been something that never would have gone through and, you know, wouldn't have made any sense once we started working on it. So you have to have some sort of traction in starting your business before you really sit down and and work through the kinks and write your business plan. Almost like a vision. Yes. Start with your visions. Get, I've met so many small business owners that spent all this time and effort and resources writing a business plan. And then they start trying to implement that plan And within their first couple of weeks, they realized that what they wrote down theoretically on paper was nothing compared to what the actual market was telling them was going to happen in their business. So those weeks and weeks and weeks of planning and prep didn't pay off because they needed to be able to have something to base that plan off of. And I get that because you have, you printed out, was that a 25 page sample business plan? Yes. I get that because most people, A, you'd never be able to get to everything in there. And could you honestly, if you're just starting a business, 
answer half of those questions because you don't know. Because you don't I'm know. I'm with yeah. you on that. Yeah. And I guess then maybe it's just more of a vi- need a vision to start and then develop the plan as you go. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the first thing when you're thinking about starting a small business or um, a, any business at all is you need to sit down, figure out your vision, um, come up with your ideal client. So you are creating, you are putting together pieces and components of what eventually will go into your business plan. You're just not creating the entire plan. But depending on how quickly you get up and running and are rocking and rolling, you might start working on your business plan two, three months into it because what I have witnessed and seen with small business owners is some people will put in six months worth of work in two months. So that six months is based off of research of people looking at people working at an average pace. And we all know that there are business owners and entrepreneurs out there that work much faster than the average pace. I'm sitting in a room with two of them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So when I have an idea, I like to just implement it. Part of my, the beauty of having ADD, you know, I, when I get something in my head, watch out because it's happening. And that's another neat thing about small business owners is we have speed of execution. If tomorrow you and I, yeah, tomorrow's Friday. If tomorrow you and I decide we want to change our customer service approach to the business. We can start that tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Whereas a McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, Home Depot, they have to put a, a committee together, talk about it, approve it, then send it out onto, into the field, implement it, and it could be three months. Exactly. And that's the beauty of speed of ex- execution. And I get that because a lot of times you'll learn something. You need to understand the pace of your business and, what, and we talk about this all the time, your conversion rate is, okay, oh, I found out, oh, this week I had five meetings or five proposals and I got one account. Okay, you learned a lot right there. But also the pace of what you have to do to get those five meetings or proposals. So, Why, in your opinion, now that you have managed and ran and started a couple of small businesses yourself, and as you're working with other small business owners, what would you say is the most important reason for somebody to start a business plan? Like if I'm a small business owner and I'm listening to this podcast right now, if I'm asking myself question X, what would it be that would prompt me to think, oh, I should start a business plan? Things become clear when they're on paper. Would you go to the grocery store with no list? I've done it a lot. Oh, but you probably didn't get everything you needed to no, get. No, I wound up buying up a stuff, thousand yes. things. W- that's why when I go to Target, I yeah. have a list. It's <laughs> right. called the Target list. Yeah. But it's okay. <laughs> Otherwise, it's a $500 Target run. <laughs> and to make my point, it's okay to come back with two things of cookie dough, but I needed batteries. Mm-hmm. I had batteries. So yeah. it's kind of along those lines. You need to know in a way where you're headed because we, we talk about the marketing plan, the P&L. We talk about all all the different elements that go into that. But you've got to have an idea of kind of what you want to do. Yeah. I want to sell this. I'm doing it. There's, again, we, we're going to talk about different type of business plans, but there's all kinds of ways to do that. But you just have to have an idea of, of what you're doing. For me, it's... Your business plan is your guiding light that all the other goal setting of your business is 
expounded off of. So if you have a really strong, well-written business plan, then when it comes time to do your annual planning, when it comes time to set your quarterly goals, when it comes time to figure out when you're going to hire your next manager, when it comes time to um, figure out, you know, when you're going to expand or how much money you need, or if you're going to open a new space, that business plan is the guiding light that's going to help you to easily execute all of these other things that you need to do to successfully run your business. It's also going to be the groundwork for how you explain, you know, your business objectives with the other management team members because most most small businesses eventually expand beyond just a solopreneur. So if you are out you know, currently working on your own, eventually you're going to hire staff, you're going to hire employees, you're going to have people that are part of your team, and you need to be able to explain what's happening to them. You also might eventually need to get money from other people. And no bank is going to loan you any money without having a really well written and stated business plan. I have a client right now that or not a client, a, one of my business associates that I basically meet with every other week and they're going through mergers and acquisitions and part of what's making it a little murky is that the three companies that combined didn't each have a really clear written business plan and now they're all a little confused about what each other do and if they'd each had a really well-written business plan they could have sat down reviewed those each other's plans and it would have made that merger between the three of them and creating one company way smoother. In the different elements on the business plan we talk about, one of them is just kind of understanding who your target market is. Mm-hmm. You as a realtor, your natural referral partners would be mortgage lenders, yep. insurance people, mm-hmm. movers, yep. things like that. And you may not know till six months in, oh, I'm at a staffing agency that helps bring people into the market so they know who's moving. Because you started mentioning that lately. And that would be one of the things you probably would not have written down. It wasn't wasn't a natural. It wouldn't come to mind. But you meet somebody who's like, oh, wait, they bring 18 new employees in a year for their company. Let's talk to them. Yeah, yeah, recruiters are a huge referral source for me. Staffing companies, mm-hmm. HR professionals, those and coming with my recruiting background myself, it's I'm able to do a lot of give and take. So that's a huge part of my annual business planning and my overall business plan. Um, one, I like being able to give back to my community. And the more that I can connect people to jobs, mm-hmm. it just feels good to oh, be yeah. able to still do that. And I also am able to be a resource for those recruiters. So yeah, that was something that came up, you know, and has become a part of my business plan that was not there originally, which goes back to my first point, which is this is a living, breathing, organic document. It's not something that is going to always stay the same. It's going to be changing whether you're meeting with a coach or a mentor or reviewing it yourself, when you review your business plan regularly, you're going to realize that there's parts of it that made absolutely no sense that you're going to need to get rid of. And there are going to be things that you add into it or modify. Even a lot of our clients find themselves exceeding and surpassing their business plans and achieving their goals way faster than they had originally anticipated. And that's a great problem to have. 
but it also creates other <laughs> issues and problems like hiring and figuring out how you're going to expand and how you're going to duplicate yourself. And it, Those things you can't predict from the outset. You can say in a year I want to have five employees or in three years I want to open the second store. You can say that all you want. That's a wonderful goal to have, but without that plan, there's 150 steps before that before you can open the doors to that second location. Mm -hmm. And that's where that business plan comes in handy of how are we going to do it? Yes. And then you, and a lot of things you're not going to know the day you, the first day you open your door. One of the key pieces to why you want a business plan is that it is your lens. And if you think about us as business owners, we are presented with opportunities all the time. And one of the death knells for small business owners is that they get distracted by shiny objects. And, you know, when Mike and I started Wired to Change and we started this podcast, we had another podcast that we were doing. And a couple of maybe two months into doing both podcasts, we realized we're never going to get the traction we need with our primary business if we're distracted and that can happen really easily. So we decided to postpone doing our second podcast until we had enough traction with our with Wired to Change, which was a stroke of genius because if we'd continued to yeah. have our attention divided, it would have taken us a lot longer to get to where we were or yes. where we are. I agree. So one of my favorite books, which I talk about quite frequently, is Good to Great. And the whole principle of that book is that these companies that – went from being good companies to great companies, they stuck by their hedgehog. And what I mean by that is they had, they found the one thing that they're really, really good at, and they did not let themselves be deterred from that path of becoming the best in the world at that one thing. And because they kept their eye on the ball, they were able to become a great company. And you see companies that start going off in too many directions and trying to please all the people and they don't have a concrete plan and they wind up limiting themselves because you only have a finite number of resources, man hours. And if you're trying to do too many things at once, you're not going to be do able to do any of them well. I actually have written on here. It will help you ward off the, it says shitty objects. It's supposed to be shiny. <laughs> My handwriting's so bad. Shiny objects. So shiny object syndrome. As small business owners, we were talking um, with, the, with Drago, who helps us produce this podcast, and he and I just love starting things, and so do you, which can make it for a lot of difficulty when you're running a small business because I hear an idea and I'm like, oh, that would be so cool. I want to go start that or I want to start this. But if you're constantly starting things and not executing on them, then you have a lot of really expensive half hobbies. There's a lot of people in this room included that uh, are trying to achieve multiple streams of, of income. income. Mm -hmm. But you can, I learned this the other day, or excuse me, it was reiterated to me for about the 80th time the other day. You can't start the second one until you got the first one going. Yes. Back to your point. You can't start three things at a time. No. If you are a landscaper, hell, I'm at the house. It'd be great to pressure wash the sidewalks and the driveway and the house. Oh, yeah, and clean the gutters. I get asked to do that, too. Now, now you would be at the house for a good period of time. You would walk away with more money. But what are you then? What kind of company are you? 
You're the jack of all trades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's harder to sell when you can tell, and we know this through B&I all the time too, is when you stand up and say, oh, anybody could be a client of mine. Because in theory, almost anybody could be a client of yours to buy or sell a house. But that's not going to, That's you can't just say, oh, I'll talk to anybody. Right. And we know from my personality that not everybody would be a good client of mine yeah. because people who are not willing to listen or follow to follow processes drive me nuts. And um, don't, you make, told the, a story today. don't <laughs> make the story the greatest clients. Yeah. So those are the main reasons why you're going to want to create and develop your business plan. The second piece of business planning is, and I think the reason a lot of people don't do it is they think that they have to create, you referred to this. 30 page document I have your business plan does not have to be 30 pages long now if you're in it it's going to depend on what type of business you're in um, it's going to depend on what your business plan is setting you up to do now if you're looking to start a company and you're wanting to go straight and get money for it right out the gate and everything, you're going to need a longer business plan than a page or two. But for most small business owners, a one to two page business plan is going to be plenty to get you started until you need to create and develop a longer business plan. Does that make sense? Oh, very much so. And it will grow itself. You'll know when you have to expand on that either your business has grown that much and you need to adjust it. As you mentioned a couple of times, it should be ever changing. Or secondly, you need capital because you've grown to this point. Now I, again, going back to the landscaper, now I need two other mowers because I need two more teams because I've got that much business coming up. I just signed a deal with X and I need two more teams. So I've got to go buy another truck, another trailer, however many, however much equipment they need. When a small business owner is working on their business plan, where do you think that they should start? For If people are going to start a business, I always like to start with why. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> so That's my favorite question. I think most of us that have had kids, or if we can remember back to when we were kids, that was one of our favorite questions back to our parents. Time to go to bed. Why? <laughs> you only get one cookie. Why? Why? (laughs) But start with the why. Why are you getting into that business? And write it down. Yes. So the why is very important. Um, Part of that why is going to be your value statement. Um, Some people call it a mission statement. And that's really figuring out who you are and why you're doing what you're doing. I was going to share our core value statement because, and it's a work in progress, Mike and I, are always, we we love to grow. So this is something that it might not always be this for the future, but for now, our core value statement is that we are business coaches who use our eagle vision to oversee the trees. We empathetically help our coaches to connect the pieces of their goals and plan while distributing our positive energy and influencing them to take action. And that is the core of who we are and how we help our clients. Part of that values and vision statement is going to be your niche. So for us, our niche is working with other small business owners and sales professionals who are either thinking of starting a business or in their first one to three years of business ownership and have hit a plateau. For us, our core client is somebody who 
is has stuff going on. They either have an active business that is currently rocking and rolling or they um, have an idea and they are ready to get it off the ground or they're looking to create multiple income streams and they just want more and they're trying to figure out, okay, how do I make what I have that's working create even more for me? And we find that we work really well with those types of clients. We do because we share that same goal. We both want more as well, uh, both individually and collectively. So we know what they're looking for because we're looking to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just nice to sit at a table with someone you see, and you can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their eyes from the minute they sit down. It's like I just th this is who I am. I I'm a uh, I'm a, a leaper, a dreamer, a worker. All this stuff. This is what I want. Part of, as we've continued to define our ideal clients, is we found that the reason we work so well with these people who we call it, they have it going on, they have things happening, is because we like to take the winning racehorses and help them win more races, not have to beat them around the track. And I think that's a big um, misconception in the coaching world because not every person is a great candidate for, for coaching, just like not every person is a great candidate to run or own a small business. <laughs> I think a lot of people have to sit down and answer the hard question, am I coachable? If you don't know if you are, find two of your closest friends. Tell them, I need an honest answer. Am I coachable? And they'll tell you. If they're truly your friend and their answer won't bother your friendship, they'll tell you either, oh, you're always learning, you always want to know more, you'd be a great candidate, or no, you always tell everybody you know everything. You're a pain <laughs> in the ass. So go ask. And it's another thing, and I've talked to other small business owners trying to figure out what business they should start, and they went and polled their friends. And the friends go, oh, you're great in math. You're always, everybody always calls you for this. You'd be wonderful in that. So go away. If you don't know if you're coachable, go find two of your closest friends and ask them. If you're coachable, a business coach will help you get where you want to go, whether you hire us or not. If you're not coachable, don't pretend you are because you won't listen to anybody. And it's frustrating for all oh, parties involved. Gosh. So I love the one-page business plan. And the reason for that is that not many people are wired to go back and review a 30-page business plan regularly. Would you read it? I wouldn't. You'd be more likely to read it than me, but even you wouldn't. Even I wouldn't. Maybe no. once every five years, but then what's the point of spending all that time writing something if you're not going to go back and actually utilize the all that time and effort that you put into it? So I look at our business plan all the time because it's what it's just part of making sure that we stay on track for our 10-year target and what we're looking to do and how we're looking to grow our business. If you currently have a business plan in place or taking the time to write one, number one tip is go back and review it and see are there components of it that have changed and update it. Because if you're not updating your business plan regularly, then it doesn't make any sense to even have it if you're not going to ever go back and look at it. Put it somewhere you're going to look at it. Treat it like your monthly bank statement. There's a reason to go look at it. There's information to be learned from your monthly banking statement. Sometimes you don't know what it is. You may find out, what was the number you gave us 
couple episodes ago, money you spent on caffeine, water, and alcohol. Yeah. Like six. six like six grand. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you wouldn't have known that till you went looking for it. Right. But it popped out at you at some point in time, and then you went and looked for it. Yeah. So just. You well, and to... I love looking at statistics and yes, numbers. <laughs> it just. You do. It really. It is amazing what happens when you look at something. And again, it's okay if it changes, but I'm looking at our business plan right now and realizing that so many small business owners are probably doing things in their day-to-day activities that they would not be doing if they regularly were looking at their business plan because it keeps your eye on the ball and it keeps you from getting off track. So the components of your business plan at the basics, what you need to have on there is figuring out your overview of what you're going to be selling, whether it's a product or a service, who's going to be buying it. Yep. Oh, yes. So who's your target market? You need to know who your target market is. And And let's go back to that for a second. Yeah. We talk a lot about in this industry an avatar. Tell when you're asking for people that you want to do business with and you, they know somebody like that person, then tell them it's like, so as you mentioned earlier, we want to coach people. We want to work with people that are up to something. I use you as an example. It's like, you know, Trinity, right? It's like, oh yeah, yeah. Somebody like that. Oh, she's always got stuff going on. She's always trying to do more. Exactly. And that summed it up. So they had the picture because they see your face and I didn't have to explain a business owner wants to grow, wants to do this, wants to do that. It's like somebody like that. And then people automatically, oh, I know three people like that. Yep. And that's been something that as we gain new clients and work with more people, we're really figuring out who our ideal client is. And your ideal client, you might not know you might think it's something, it might be written on your business plan as one thing, and it's going to morph as you figure out who you really work well with. One of our clients had no clue they were going to walk up to us and say, I need your coaching. No clue that was coming. So you just never know, which goes back into the marketing and networking that we talked about a couple episodes ago to be out there, but you just don't know. You have an idea and keep moving forward with that. But sometimes people come out of the blue. And when you look at it, this person actually fits the mold of got something going on. Yeah. But didn't see this client coming, but that's okay. We said enough things to get them to come back to us. Right. One of the pieces that I would say is most overlooked when people are excited about starting their business or are working in their business. And even some people have been in business for years and they don't really understand how they get paid and how what they charge relates to how much money that they're taking home. And again, why PNL is so vitally important, but how are you going to make money from your ideas? How are you going to um, ensure that you continue making money as your business scales and grows? That should all be part of your business plan. Your marketing plan is going to be a more comprehensive long document that there is part of your marketing plan written in your business plan. How are people going to learn about your business? How do you gain clients? Do you work by referral? Is it digital marketing? Is it um, cold prospecting? So how do you go about getting those clients and getting them in your funnel? Um, and real then, quick on that, if you don't have much money to start with, cold calling and social media can be just fine. 
And then you'll, once you start bringing in some revenue, then you've got some money to do some advertising, some flyers, however you want to spend that money. But if the answer is, I got to find out what things I can do that aren't going to cost me much money, that's the answer for today. And you're going to realize real quick through doing a little bit of market research, what the best avenues Mm -hmm. are for you to go out and gain clients for your new business or for your existing business, you might go back to your marketing plan and things that you were doing in the beginning are now not part of your current plan. I'm all about scratch off the stuff and delete it if it's no longer pertinent to your plan. Oh yeah. If you wanted to do door hangers and radio advertising, Wow, our last seven clients have come from the door hangers. All right, let's scrap the radio advertising. Exactly. Knowing your numbers, and this is another reason why (laughs) it's recommended that you do this about six months in, because once you have a little bit of a track record, you're going to know closer what those ratios are going to look like. We have a client right now that his homework is to track all of his activities Um, The month of January and February, because we need measurables so we can set forth a guideline for what the next role is going to look like as he delegates um, his lead generation to somebody else. But until we know what those measurables are, he doesn't know what the numbers are, what it should look like. So we're creating a template. And that can apply to your business as well. You need to be able to know what are the measurables in your business so you can set accurate goals for the year. What's your revenue goal going to be? What's your profit goal going to be? And um, trying to foresee any specific obstacles, challenges, things that you need to have your antenna and your radar set up for. And the lesson here is if you start a company and you're the worker bee, wonderful. If your goal is to become the CEO, then this is why you need to track everything to figure out how to replicate yourself but no, you're probably only going to do it on about an 80% basis because it's not their company. We all work harder because it's our company and our name and our vision. So when you replace yourself or you hire somebody, don't put those expectations on them. It's not fair. Anything else that you think is really important for our listeners to know about business planning? I think we hit all the hot spots on that. We talked to the hard stuff, like the niche, what's your core value? And I love talking core values because you also, what is your company about? What do you want to do? How much do you want to help? How do you want to treat people? How do you want to operate? Mm-hmm. That's all big. It doesn't go to the bottom line, but it just kind of tells people who you are. So it's good yeah. to have on paper. So I had um, one thing that I learned when I was, I was studying um, this thing called EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. You'll hear me talk about that a lot too. Love all their books. The thing that I learned most from going through this coaching program when I was learning and um, how to implement the EOS system for for um, our real estate company was that core values are already values that already exist within you or your company. They are not things that you want your company to be. So those are called aspirational core values. So a company that has really strong core values, they figured out what they're already good at or the things that already drive them. They didn't write down things that they wish that the people around them would be or do. And I'm not sure if I'm explaining this quite right, 
but it made a huge difference for me at least in not thinking that core values were this hokey thing because they really are kind of hokey when you walk into a company and they have these things written on the walls and it's like quality customer service, but you just sat in line for 40 minutes to have this person give you this snarly face and they're not living and breathing their core values. They just put these things up on a wall that they kind of were hoping would happen by putting them up as a core value. And that's not how core value, like your core value shouldn't be customer service if your customer service sucks. Correct. And it all, it all, it starts with you as the business owner. You can put all the words up there about, Hey, we're going to be nice and treat people this way. And then you treat your employees like crap or you don't even, you're short with your customers. That's what your employees are going to see. And so all these core values come from the top. You are the one setting the tone for everybody. And I love those too, because you can retain employees with the right core value and you can recruit good employees with the right core values and the right atmosphere, teamwork, whatever word you want to put on that. So I agree with you on that. Yeah. And if you attract and retain your clients and your employees based on the same core values that you have, then you'll find that you work really well with those people. So you could have entirely different backgrounds and different, different everything, but you share those core values and it makes everything work. Oh, big time. And it's really cool. So nice to have everybody on the same page. Think of the last business company you worked at that you enjoyed. What's commonality? If you liked it there, okay, implement it in your business. Yeah, you know, at Hunter Row, one of our um, core values is respecting the process. was really interesting because we went and looked at all the top producing real estate agents and all the um, top executives and said, what's the thing that everybody has in common? It's like, oh, my gosh, we all really enjoy following a process and improving it, but you can't improve on something that not everybody's doing consistently the same way. If you think about an assembly line and making cars, if everybody is doing something differently, you could, an assembly line would never work. The door's on the hood. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it was really cool to find out what our, and go through that exercise of what our core values were because they were coming from us. They weren't things that we were trying to make ourselves into. It was who we already were. If this is uh, of interest to you and you think that we could help you with this or just answer some of your questions, you can go to wiredtochange.com, leave us a message. You can send us an email at info at wiredtochange.com. That's with the number two. Or you can reach us pretty much anywhere on social media with, at Wired to Change. And we'll see you next time on our Wired to Change podcast.